Hello, everyone. Welcome to Burning the Edge. We would like to welcome to the team our host, Mr. Arthur Miller Jr. Thank you for listening to the Burn the Edge podcast. Today, we're going to have a conversation with my golf pro, Mark Grace. Oh, well, I'm Mark. Uh, I make up Mark Grace Golf Academy. I've been doing it for about 25 years. I started up in uh, Rochester, New York, back in about 1995, and uh, moved down to Greensboro and moved here to Memphis about 98. And uh, started uh, at Double Eagle Golf, doing some retail and, and kind of meeting people at the ground level. Uh, eventually got involved at Colonial Country Club, where I eventually became the director of instruction. Was out there for about eight years. And then I uh, ended up uh, moving over to Ridgeway Country Club, did that for about five years. And now I've been kind of independent for about 10 years, working over there at the Golf Academy of Memphis or Mark Grace Golf Academy, doing uh, odd, uh, not odd, but uh, doing independent stuff still at Colonial and over at Irene Country Club. Yeah, so uh, what what brought you to the game of golf from the very beginning? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, my dad's love for golf, you know, he worked a lot, and uh, when he had his free time, he, like, hit golf balls. So uh, he was also into photography, so he would have me uh, take his camera and take pictures of him. And eventually I'd, I'd follow him on the golf course, and he'd let me go look at turtles while he played, and then eventually he bought me a 7-iron, and, and then uh, – and uh, I think I was hooked. Man, that's awesome, man. So that was in Rochester, New York? Uh, Rochester is where I uh, started uh, teaching golf in 1995. Okay. okay. Um, uh, this was probably, the, or <laughs> to date myself, probably the middle to late 70s uh, in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. Okay. So yeah. growing up in the north, what, what's y'all golf season? Like six months, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's six months maybe uh in rochester you might get snow uh eight months out of the year so um yeah it was a shortened season that's one of the reasons why I, I moved to the south to start teaching yeah so in south carolina what was your what was your clientele like was it just like were you working for somebody else or um i worked at carolina golf uh, practice and learning center uh, under uh, robert linville uh, Robert Linville was uh, it still actually is working. He's over at Precision Golf School, but I worked under him, and we had about six other professionals. And uh, it was a driving range with three uh, practice holes, and uh, that's where I was out there for a couple of years before I moved here to Memphis. So, were you always wanting to be a teacher, or did you want to try to turn professional as far as playing? Or <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, you know, I, I guess I would still like to turn professional if I had the ability and the time. And uh, but uh, no, I you know I was I'm intrigued about all as, as aspects of the game. But um, I, I think uh, I quickly realized that uh, my love was for teaching and, and to interact with people. So that's what I do. Well, you you I can tell that uh, you seem to enjoy it a whole lot. Um, I know <laughs> you probably enjoy some students more than others. I'm probably not one of those, but <laughs> you're definitely on the A list. <laughs> I I guess so. I got you to do this, so I got to be uh, on some list. 
<laughs> it's a list exactly alright I hear you so I get who on the list just me and Michael and uh, yeah, Lewis Mike, Mike, Michael Kaufman yeah your partner in crime yeah, yeah. Thursday Thursday nights with uh, Arthur and Michael is, uh, uh, is definitely a lot of fun but I do enjoy um, the interaction with different people um, golf is, is a great uh, I guess a mediator uh, it, it, it brings people together with a common cause and then within that, um, there's no pretense. It's just uh, you and the other individual and then the creativity that can uh, spawn between the two. Yeah. So let me, what was your worst, what's been your worst experience as a teacher <laughs> professor? <laughs> uh, uh, next question. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what, I, I know what that means. Okay, we go. So what, what has been your biggest accomplishment? As, as a teacher, as a professional teacher? My biggest accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I, I think my longevity, I guess, um, being able to, uh, you know, continue to grow over a period of time with a diverse uh, clientele. You know, I, I've had experience uh, with with higher ability players and, and uh, seen it at, played at the highest level. And, and uh, that was fortifying at the time. But uh to, to take the next step past that to uh, to continue to develop uh, you know beginning juniors and as well as uh, aging seniors I think uh, the longevity uh, with a, with a changing market and uh, and then the ability to be independent doing that I guess is probably my greatest accomplishment at least in my mind at this point so I mean to me as a teacher professional and I would assume um because you've had the ability to evolve, I guess, from what I've heard or whatever, you know, teaching the golf swing, at, let's say 20 years ago, is different from teaching it now. It's like a different, a lot of the things that they said were good things back then now turn out to be maybe not so good. Is that correct? or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, keep your head down, left arm straight, or, you know, all those things that you hear. Um, it has evolved. I think as a society, we've become more sophisticated and, uh, we need to become more precise with the information that we get. And, uh, you know, you know, the consumer has become more educated like yourself and, uh, you, you, <laughs> okay. you, <laughs> and, 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 you, and you read more and, and, and you, you know, there's an expression called folklore teaching. And it's, you know, the teaching in the past was, you know, I was taught this, the person before them taught them that, the person before that taught them that. And now there's scientists that are literally testing uh, the information and say, you know, okay, well, that really doesn't occur. And we might want to go in this direction because uh, this is uh, the safest and most efficient way to do it. So, um, you know, things have evolved and, and uh, we, we do more measuring, but, you know, yet, uh, it, it's interesting that even though that uh, we've become more sophisticated with our diagnostics, um, it's still the old school approach in teaching that works the best, in my opinion. Yeah. So are you a numbers guy? I guess, are you one of those guys? <laughs> you know, you got some teachers that they they look at the numbers and they say, okay, well, this is this is this or whatever. You know, I don't know how to. I just know what the numbers, what they, what they say the numbers mean. Um. What, what would you say? Uh, how would you answer that question for me? I, I would say you're probably you're probably a mixture of of the numbers and 
but I think the numbers for you don't. They're not the final say so. I think you kind of work off a of feel more than anything, and uh, or what you see, and and I liked it though uh, because you know numbers are what they are, but trying to relate it to your students, say you know where your face angle is negative twenty five, well not not twenty five, <laughs> but negative you know ten, and it needs to be zero or one or two or negative one and two. You know, like trying to relate it to me at the beginning, you know, I would have been like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, to me, you seem to be able to take what you see and and the numbers and, you know, and kind of put together what you need to do going forward from there. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, you bring up two variables there, a feel and a number. Uh, you, you consider yourself or picture yourself out in the fairway, you're your rangefinder says you're 75 yards and, and you're looking at the green and you have a feel and a number, you know, um, you have to look at the number to create that feel. And I, I think when we look at the trackman numbers, which you're speaking of is you look at those numbers and, and then you look at the person and you try to create a feel for where they need to be. It's, it's not just the numbers. It's the, it's the geometry of their swing, the, the shape of their swing, um, their ability to move through uh, the process, you know, and then you also consider um, you know, how much time they have to practice and what their goals are. Yeah. So you have to have a feel, and then you also have to look at the numbers and then um, make your best judgment and uh, make it fun and, and see what we can do from that point. Right. Well, it's always been fun in there, which I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we always laughing in there. Nobody's crying. Yeah. Well, I think I may have cried almost one day, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's always fun. Yeah, you know. now, you, now you make me cry. Right? <laughs> You're in his short game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can attest to uh, when we play on the simulator now, my short game is a lot different than what it was when I first came to you, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's kind of a funny story. You, you you know, frustrated with your short game, and I'm like, man, it's not that hard, Arthur. And then you know, most recently I go through six months of the yips <laughs> yeah. and you're taking it to me on a simulator. I hit it down there by the green and yeah, there are two or three shots right there. Yip it into the green and Hey, let's keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So but how does a, I guess that's a good question. How did the, how does the teaching professional deal with the yips or, you know, like uh, I was in there with you the other day and, you know, you was on the on the FaceTime with a couple of your other teacher guys that you know. And it was very interesting to see you all interact with each other and work on each yeah, other's yeah. swing, you know. Um, I enjoyed that. I appreciate that too, man. Um Well, that was fun. Definitely a good time. Yeah. So how frustrating it is it can it be for you as a teacher professional to have to deal with some of the same things that as you know, a novice or amateur or whatever you want to call the regular weekend golfer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, I mean, I, you see, you see the professionals and you'll see one of them shanks on you like, dang, how do you, you know, like that's gotta be very frustrating for you as a professional. You oh, know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta find some uh, good places to hide when you're trying to overcome those shortcomings. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I, I mean, another thing, too, is it? do you enjoy playing more than you do teaching? 
Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think sometimes I enjoy teaching, depending on who's in there. Yeah. Then, sometimes I enjoy playing, depending on how well I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I think that's uh, it's a floating uh, standard there. But, um, no, I, I, you know, the last the last six or seven months, I've, I've really, um, uh, really worked hard on my game through the COVID. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've re- kindled a love to play right but you know what's really cool about uh, when you play a lot um, you become sensitive to the nuances of the golf swing and then when you're in the teaching end uh, one you're you're humbled by the the uh the difficulty but yet you're sensitive to the nuance and, and you're more you're more adapt uh and more more uh more capable of seeing something i think and uh being um being more able to subjectively uh, discuss what's going on with the client. So yeah, I think playing definitely feeds teaching and I think teaching definitely uh, is, is, uh, it's fun and, and that uh, it gives you both opportunities. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I can see how, you know, you dealing with, you know, you dealing with the yips or something and somebody come in there and they dealing with the yips and they try, they try to talk to you like, you know, can you help me? And you're like, man, I'm struggling with the same thing, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I I traveled far and abroad locally to get help with the yips. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and then and then you know, it's funny where you find the answer, and uh, the answer was found. And now you know what those those uh, that experience is uh, really I, I think made me a better short game player and a better yeah. teacher. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I could. So, I mean, you did miracles it, with my game, short game for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I used to duff it, and now uh, my my all the guys that I play with, they can tell you. Like, I mean, it's 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 like night and day from where I where I started from with this short game. I promise you. Yeah, you've come a long way. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's good to see you hit the ball the way that you do. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get a little further. I know we was working on something yesterday, and I tried to work on it today, and it was I don't know. I can't. It's it's like it, like when I've had issues with my swing before, like I work on it, work on it, work on it, and then one day it'll just click, and it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like like. Like, how can you work on something for, you know, weeks or months and then all of a sudden it just click one day? That's crazy to me. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, golf instruction, a lot of times uh, we focus on the positions. Mm -hmm. and we, we don't really, um, we don't really, uh, I don't know, value the, the importance of rhythm, the importance of... Uh, a flow, the importance of grip pressure. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we worked on um, your swing the other day, and uh, it, was, it was a collaboration with uh, Robbie Fells out there in Carmel Country Club and um, Sean Kennedy out there at the Cliffs in um, South Carolina. And I, I think, um, I think in, in that case, uh, you know, you, you, you received information from two different instructors uh, with a little different approach. And it can take you a little time to adapt, but um, I think when you when you push yourself like that, uh, and, you know, you, you give yourself some time. I think I think you're going to be going in the right direction here shortly. But, yeah. Um, so uh, those guys are really good at what they do, and 
I think they took the opportunity to kind of really, uh, you know, emphasize the importance of keeping a continuous motion and, right. and a continuous flow. And for most of us who are strong like yourself, we like to rear back, stop at the top, and, and then rip, rip it. But um, like you said, I mean, that was kind of like folklore, te- folklore teaching where in the past we were told to swing it to the top, stop, pause, and then come back down. Where uh, today's teaching is more of a continuous flow, so overcoming the that paradigm, you know, of, of, of stopping and going, and yet have it be continuous and, and still have control is um, is where you're at. And, and uh, I definitely uh, look forward to seeing where you go with that. So, how do you in the older guys that you teach? So, how do you deal with the limits with age in the golf swing? <laughs> Um, I'm getting older, so, uh, <laughs> so I have a good foundation to draw from, but, um, you know, the golf swings, it's more about uh, momentum and less about muscle. Uh, so, so, you know, you know, one, one example that, you know, in the past we were taught to restrict our hips and turn our shoulders and, and create this, this stretch, this X factor. Um, a gentleman by Dr. Kwan um, did a study on that and said, hey, man, that might not be the most efficient way to, to do things. So with older people and younger people, um, if you can increase their range of motion, um, then things become a little bit easier for them. If they don't really feel that they need to muscle it and they can create movement and, and momentum, um, they can be successful. It's just a matter of uh, changing how they think about it, showing them that they can move that way, and then creating a rhythm in which they can uh, encompass the, 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 the motion. And so uh, older people can be helped. I mean, we can't hit it as far as we used to, but um, although some people <laughs> with the equipment and the balls definitely do hit the ball as far, sometimes further than they did in the past. But uh, dealing with older people is more of, you know, doing your mobility screens, trying to figure out what, what they can do, and, and then giving them things that they can do. But uh, they're definitely fun because they definitely have a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you brought up the ball and the equipment. So what are your thoughts on, you know, they're talking about changing the ball because it goes too far and all this stuff. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that um, Tiger really made the game exciting, hitting the ball as far as he did. and. The Tiger proved Augusta, and then you got Bryson now hitting the ball, you know, as far as he does, and, and they're starting to look at the golf ball. Um, I think ideally I'd say let them go at it. Go ahead and let the ball be the ball and, and have fun, but uh, we have limited real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean and, that they can't make all golf courses 9,000 yards? <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, and, and, and it's seeming, and seemingly, I mean, I haven't really re- researched much of this, but I, I think that the ball benefits those with swing speeds above 100 miles per hour. So, um, you know, you know, I know Jack Nicholas is an advocate for, for backing down the ball, and he, he seems to be pretty pretty wise. So uh, I'm, I might I might side with Jack on this one. Yeah. So oh, what do you how do you how do you feel about it? What do you think they should do? You know, I I don't really think that they should change it. No, no, because I say, look, man, if you can get to a point to where you're hitting the ball four hundred yards, go for it. 
Because yeah. what the truth of the matter is, you know, you still have to hit it straight for the most part. You know, right, right. every course, fairways are not, you know, 60 and 70 yards wide. So, you know, if you want to hit it in some of that thick rough and, you know, and hammer it out of there, hey, go for it, you know. You know, it's proven that uh, what courses that they played in San Francisco. He tried to do that. It didn't work. He tried to do it at East Lake. It didn't work. You know, that rough is just Bermuda, but that Bermuda rough at East Lake, that thick is just, it's a different beast. And you can hit it as far as you want to. If you're not in that fairway, you're just not going to have the advantages as everybody else has. So, so to be the devil's advocate here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, what what percentage of the golfers does that affect? Now you have a guy who doesn't hit at six thousand yards, and 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 he gets in the rough. So he's he's un, you know not only does he not hit it far, he's in the rough and he can't get it out. Versus the guy who can hit it far, who's in the rough, and it holds him back. So yeah, you know, you know, um, you know it seems like every time you create a solution, you, you create another problem. problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That is a good point. You, you know, maybe they make the ball, maybe not. They don't focus so much on um, the distance of it, but make it where it's more uh, uncertain when you hit it. So if you say you you have a lot of swing speed and you hit it pure, it goes far. But if you don't hit it in the center, it curves a little bit more, like the balada. That might be a little bit more fun. Yeah, uh, you know where it. You know you, you do have the advantage if you have a swing speed and you can hit it. You can hit it further, but it requires you the skill of hitting it in the center mass of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, you have these classic courses, and, 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 and you know, you really don't want to dig them up and, and pull back the tees. You know, at, at this point, at least I don't think you want to. No, but maybe some people do, but you know, it's an interesting question, and I really don't have a, a great answer other than you know, I, I have to side with Jack. Yeah. Do you do you watch the Golf Channel? No. No, <laughs> as you shake your head, yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I don't have much time. Yeah, and um, I, you know, since the COVID, my wife and I really don't watch much time, much TV. We've, uh, we've, you know, I bought her a ukulele, and she's been learning how to play that. And, and, uh, really? Yeah, I'll get out that orange junior whip, and I'll, I'll start swinging that or the Doctor Kwan rope. And um, we watch a lot of Netflix, but uh, we really haven't watched much of the Golf Channel or anything commercial for that matter. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I'm, I'm finding out that a lot of people that are in the golf don't watch it as much as you would think. Well, in 1995, I think when the Golf Channel started, I, I, I was I was a cult member. I mean, I could not miss an episode. Yeah. You, know, you had Dean Ryman, you had David Ledbetter, and you had uh, Jim Flick, and all these classic teachers and, and, you know, someone like myself who didn't really grow up uh, in a country club atmosphere uh, was just, uh, I mean, I was mesmerized by the channel when it started. I mean, I was up in Rochester, New York, and we have snow on the ground possibly eight months out of the year, and then you get the <laughs> sun come out. And <laughs> let's watch people play some golf. Yeah. But, um, but you no, know, I, I don't watch much of it now. I, I think a lot of it's changed. It has. It uh, they actually just did a really big change. They moved from Florida to Connecticut. The studio, oh, they? yeah, and they pretty much they the uh, it used to be called the Morning Drive. It's the morning show is called Golf Today or something, and I think it's Damon Hack and Shane Bacon 
out of two hoes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know who they are. <laughs> well, Damon Heck is the is the bald headed black dude, and Shane. Oh yeah, Bacon, yeah, yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah, Shane Bacon is. I'm not sure where he's from, um, but apparently they think highly of him. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have to. Look. <laughs> I've been we're watching. We're not going to get a into bit. a political conversation. No, we, no, we're not going to. You do. and I have had way too many of those. <laughs> but I can tell you, back in the beginning, uh, Dean or uh, uh, Peter Kessler was a, a very good um, person. When they get like a, you know, a, you know, with David Ledbetter in there, or a Butch Harmon, or he was such a historian and. and, and you know, back in the 95 and, you know, 96, 97, you, you couldn't get enough of that, that feel, that feel that the, the Golf Channel put out and the, the energy that it put out and the information that I was putting out that really wasn't accessible. And, you know, it was kind of interesting, though, that, you know, Peter Kessler, when he started uh, uh, hosting the, the golf, I think it was Golf Academy Live, he was like a four. And then when he finished uh, his stint there, he was a nine. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so, interesting. So much, yeah, so uh, um, it's it's kind of interesting that, that it was so powerful, but yet I guess it it's a testament to uh, don't get too much information. So is that is that the biggest issue that you see? Like, say for instance, if you got a client from some other pro. Um, what do you think normally is their biggest complaint? I'm sorry. Could you restate that? I'm sorry. I... <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so if you get a client from another pro, oh, okay. What okay. is their what is normally their biggest complaint about their last? Or is it a, is it normally a complaint about them? Um, you know, <clears throat> that's an interesting question, and um, I, you know, I, I think that. Um, I think you know, my students, I'm sure, go other places to experiment and, and to try to do things that they can't quite think that they can do. Um, <clears throat> I think that um, the biggest complaint, uh, you know, they're not getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've, they've gotten to a point that they, they, they think that they can do better and uh, they're they're trying to find the answer, so they go from pro to pro to pro. And I think sometimes uh, you might find a pro whose personality that uh, you appreciate and uh, you jive with, and then you, you'd rather spend your time struggling with you know, that personality, <laughs> yeah, struggling with personality B. But so, Bruce Kepka, he fired his longtime coach Claude Harmon the third. Mm. So. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. No, that's, all, that's unbelievable. So this cat won four major championships with Claude Harmon as, mm-hmm. his, as his coach. Yeah. What? I, now, I'm looking at it from a player perspective, and I'm not mm-hmm. a pro player, but I'm a player, and you're yeah. my coach. If I win four major championships, let's say I'm on the amateur tour, I play on the, uh, the amateur players tour. If I win four tournaments this year, we will play 12. If I win four to 12, there is no way possibly that you will ever not be my coach. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have won one in 
the let me say this. I, I've I've won one tournament in I say two years where I've been really competitive. I've mm-hmm. gotten close to to winning some couple ones, or even a major, what we call it considered to be a major or whatever. But I could not possibly see myself firing a coach after him guiding you to that point. Unless there some kind of personality shift. You know, like like if I lose my mind, then I can see me saying, I don't want you to be my coach anymore, Mark. <laughs> Arthur, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not this time. But tell me what would you think would make him fire his coach? Well, I mean, like, I mean, well, it's just I mean, unbelievable to me. Um, I mean, they're playing for a lot of money. They are. Yeah, and 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 um, sometimes the message gets stale. I mean, it might be the right message, but maybe it needs to be applied a little bit differently. Um, there might be something going on in his life. Um, he might have had an injury, and he can't continue to do it the way that he's doing it. Or he might have other people whispering in his ear. I, I mean, I really don't know. Yeah, but um, you know, the Harmons are are uh, very much they're minimalists, meaning that um, they're they're very good at uh, taking what you have and then allowing you to excel with what you do and uh, encouraging you to be who you are. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it seems like um, there's some players out there that are hitting the ball a whole lot further these days. Yeah. And um, so maybe his, you know, his approach wasn't aggressive enough for to compete with those who are hitting the ball a little bit further. I mean, I, I really don't know. I, that would be a hypothesis. But, yeah. I mean, their lives are complicated. They they have a lot of money. Yeah, yes. They have options that you and I only can dream of. Right. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting though. So. But I'm what? with you. I mean, you, you form a relationship. You go through something as emotional as winning a championship, and uh, you know, you know, why go someplace else when you you have a, a track record of success? Right. So uh, you know, I understand your question. I just uh, there's no talent. I mean, yeah. I've been fired by some pretty good players, and I'm still confused by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. I I just I, I as a player, I just wonder. You know, much. My, not to compare my situation to his as a player, but I mean, it's some com- comparisons there, but it's some, um, you know, I guess it's kind of apples to oranges, maybe. Somebody may say. But um, so. I, I, I think you can look at um, relationships, uh, at, at teaching, you know, seven years and out. Seven years is probably a good run. Really? Kind of like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of you know human nature right sometimes around seven years some people get a little bit uh, itchy and they move on but you might want to cut that out but hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was interesting about that i um i can't remember as a comedian or it might have been me or somebody i was talking to we thought about it was like you know marriage should be like like your tags on your car, you know, they <laughs> expire every year. You know, if you can get a renewed or you can just say, you know what? I think I'm going to trade this car. <laughs> <In a way. laughs> uh, no, I shouldn't. That, yeah, like that. No, kidding. I don't think so. But yeah. <laughs> but no, so some, so what develops a coach's approach with, is it different for each player or is it, 
usually coaches have a philosophy and they usually stick with that? Um, I think it, I think it depends. Um, a, a lot of it's chemistry. Um, I, I can be with some players that who want to be data driven and I can go and look at the track man numbers and get the K vest out and get the body track on there and try to peak, you know, their, their downswing sequences. And then there are some players that don't want to even look at the data and we can go old school and get a rope out and, and get them doing step trails. But, um, I think I think each teacher has a different approach. Um, I, I can only speak on my behalf. I, I think that um, what I really try to do is, is get to know the individual. I try to get to know their goals, try to know what their strengths are, and, and kind of realize uh, where uh, where their limitations are and, and, and what their boundaries are, and, and then consider all those things and try to see where, where how ambitious they are, and, and then kind of. You know, pursue the, the most uh, appropriate route from there. But I think all players that all different teachers have different approaches. Um, I saw a friend of mine in uh, Greenville, uh, South Carolina, my friend Sean Kennedy, and uh, he's he's more likely to say, "Hey, man, your personality jives more with this teacher. You might want to try that." Really? And, yeah, and, and he's less adaptable. He's you know maybe he's more mature than I am, but you know he's more likely to. To, to say, hey, you might go see this instructor. And then, then there's other instructors that, you know, feel that they can do it all. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. But I think it, most of it's uh, it's communication and, and, and uh, the ability to uh, connect. So would you ever tell a client, just be like, look, man, I don't want to take your money. Um, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a long driver that 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 uh, <laughs> that, that uh, <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah that's happened yeah yeah I've I've, I've had to um, fire people yes. <laughs> that's that's interesting I guess the coach fires the player huh? you know it, it's not easy to do you don't want to do it right but but uh, you know I've been fired more times. More times than I fired others. <laughs> I guess our <laughs> money is not good money, huh? As they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I know you work with a lot of a lot of young people. How would you say your clientele is? It majority? I guess it's majority adults, though, right? Um. You know, I, I teach a good mix of, of adults and, and young children. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate that um, I have a, a lot of developmental juniors. I, you know, and I spend a lot of time, um, you know, kind of marketing younger players for, I don't know, about 15 years, thinking that, you know, one, there was a need for it, and two, that if, if uh, I was successful, that I would have them for 10 or 15 years. Right. And then, um, you know, I've, I've had more, you know, adult players, more, you know, competitive players. And I just think the, the combination uh, has enabled me to, to have a good, you know, array of, of different players that kind of keeps me busy, irrespective of the time of the year or, or the time of the day. So when do you think a player should come in to see a coach? Should 
say I want to, um, let's say I'm 30 and I want to learn how to play golf. <clears throat> and I go to the driving range and you're going to be terrible because you've never picked up a club before. So, you know, you go to the driving range, you're like, oh man, you know, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be, you know? So when do you think is the right time to say, hey, look, I need to go get lessons? Is it from the very beginning? Is it after you've somewhat developed a swing or should it be strictly from the beginning? Um, I mean, I like to see someone sooner than later. Uh, you know I mean, I think you have to be ready for the process. Uh, you know, I'd rather see someone before they develop habits and, and that they've, they've not gotten a frustration level up too high where they're not going to be receptive. Right. But then I've seen players on the other hand that have been frustrated and they are now receptive because they realize that, um, it's kind of a difficult sport to do on your own. Right. <laughs> You know, you have players that have had previous athletic experiences and, you know, you see a tennis player or a high-end baseball player or a hockey player who just smacks it out there and, you know, they, they decide, you know, they want to get a little bit better, they might come in. But I, I think if you're just starting out and um, you don't have much uh, other experiences in other sports, I'd probably you know, think that you might want to come out sooner than later because uh, – we might be able to keep you in the sport longer than you would be if you just try to do it on your own. Yeah. I guess it's <clears throat> de developing those bad habits really can cause an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, making holes in the ground, getting, breaking holes in <laughs> yeah. your hand. Yeah, I'll call it digging you know? ditches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you know, I think getting a lesson is kind of cool. I, I, every time it I've is. ever had a lesson, it, you know, I get excited to go in there and I have all my questions and then, you know, I leave having five different questions and none of my questions being answered. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a cool experience. I mean, yeah. you kind of, uh, you get the whole ambiance of the cameras and the, the computers and the, the, the radar and you get to go out in the grass and, 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 and kind of feel the ball compressed for the first time. I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I get that first time you hit the sweet spot on the club I mean, it's no feeling like that, you know. It's like, I guess it's kind of like getting high. You want to get back to that high. <laughs> you know, I swear, you know, like the first time you really, like, you don't even feel the ball hit the club, you know, and it's just like butter. It's like, man, I want to get back to that, you know. And it's very difficult to get back to it sometimes, though. You know, I know we working on some a swing change. Like, I call it a swing change. It's... I guess it's kind of just getting me to where I should have been <laughs> in a in a different direction. Well, in a farther along the road than I have been. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, last Thursday night you hit some real good bombs uh, in the clinic that we were in, and um, you know, and, and it wasn't so much a swing change as much as it was a change in rhythm, a change right. in intention. Right. You know, some might consider that a swing change, but it was more of giving yourself enough time to transition, getting that right hip a little bit deeper, relaxing the arms, allowing things to set up. And, um, you know, that's a cool experience when, I mean, you hit some hybrids further than I hit a driver. Yeah, I, I caught a couple of them. I mean, 135 you know, mile per hour ball speed on a hybrid, that's pretty That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but yeah. That I mean, I know. I, go far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know where the 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 hundred thirty five. I mean, I don't know where that stands. You know, as far as being fast or not. You know, I don't know. 
for hybrid, it's pretty impressive. Okay. But the, to your point, that you, when you cut, when you catch one like that, even when you catch it, you're kind of like cool. And then watching it, it's right. kind of cool. It is. It is, man. Thank you for listening to Burnett's podcast. Today we had a conversation with my golf pro Mark Grace. You can check him out at markgracegolf.com. He's also on Instagram at markgracegolf. Today was part one of two. Check Burn the Edge out on Instagram and Facebook. Please like and subscribe to our channel. Please leave a review so we'll know how we're doing. Thank you again for listening.